All right, well, this morning we are wrapping up our New Year's teaching series uh, where we've been talking about a fresh start and what that means, what that means with Christ. Sort of, we all want a fresh start in life. Sometimes you wish you could relive a certain moment or a day and do that over. Let's, let's real, and that's just not always how life goes, but in Christ, the power of his grace and, and forgiveness, he invites us to experience a fresh start. Week one, that was in this invitation to pick up our cross daily and to follow him. Living this life as sort of self-denial and service and love for neighbor and living this way actually leads to new life and life abundantly. And last week we saw that response of those moments in life when we do receive a fresh start. Of how we can respond like that 10th leper who returned to worship God and give his praise and thanksgiving. Sort of that mark, uh, that life marked by gratitude and, and thanksgiving in response to God's mighty acts of salvation on our behalf. And this morning we're going to turn to scripture again in Luke to look how a fresh start, sort of what it requires of us. Yes, in response, that praise and thanksgiving but what it requires of us and our mission of choosing to follow Jesus with our lives. So I'm going to start off just by reading some scripture for us this morning. This comes from Luke 13. And this will be verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You might have heard this passage of scripture before, and I just want to go ahead and get it out of the way before we jump in. I'm going to be talking about foxes today. And as soon as I said that, not like actual, we're not going to go into a lot of detail. But as soon as I told the worship team that, they all started singing the song that you're all thinking right now. Am I wrong? Thank you. Not, not all of us. Daryl ha- didn't know what we were talking about. My dad doesn't know. Eric doesn't know. Oh, man. Skip it. What does the fox say? I'm not going to say it, but Lenora knows it. It says, what does the fox say? And it's this really annoying high-pitched, you know what we're talking about, right? Like, nee, 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 There you go. Let's cut this out of the recording. That would be wonderful. It's too late. Well, we could have cut that because 50% of you have no idea what we're talking about, but that's okay. Okay. Okay, here we go. This is Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, teaching in towns and villages, calling people to repent, teaching in parables. And in this point in the Gospel of Luke, he's most recently taught 
on the parable of the fig, on the mustard seed, on leaven. And he's healed a woman right before this passage. And some of the religious leaders who surely had seen him do these things came up and warned Jesus. The Pharisees warned him, Herod is trying to kill you. I wonder in this moment if Jesus, if this was sort of like an empty threat, like I wonder if the Pharisees were like, let's just get this guy out of here. Like, you know, this is our synagogue and he's teaching all these things. We just want to kind of scare him away. Let's spook him a bit. (laughs) Herod's trying to kill you. Run. But to be sure, Herod posed a real threat. Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee and Perea, the ruler of this area known as a client state of the Roman Empire. And what we mean by that is that simply this area was economically, politically, militarily subordinate to this other more powerful state. Not the same as the Roman governor. This was the ruler, the king, some, his father, King Herod, the king of Judea, but he was the Roman Jewish client king of Judea. In Luke, five, or, sorry, in Luke 9, we have evidence that Herod Antipas was trying to find Jesus because rumors were beginning to swirl about him. Who is this guy? Some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, John the Baptist. Others, that Elijah had reappeared, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. Herod was trying to figure this out. Who is this guy? It says in Luke 9, Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? He's like, what are you talking about? I'm the one who ordered John the Baptist to be beheaded. So if there's someone coming back to life here and he's John the Baptist, I'd like to find him. If in any way this Jesus guy could be carrying on the successor of some sorts of what John the Baptist started, that needs to be handled. So it is entirely possible at this point already in Luke chapter 13 that Herod wants Jesus dead. Jesus hears these warnings, but is undeterred. He hears these warnings of people wanting him dead and is undeterred. Go tell that fox, Herod. Whew. Not very often we see Jesus name-calling. <laughs> Maybe he's not name-calling as much as just describing who he sees Herod to be. Implying that Herod is deceptive or wily or maybe both. <laughs> Go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following. Jesus' eyes are set to Jerusalem. He must go on his way today and tomorrow and the day after. Jesus is zeroed in on his mission here. It's not time yet to go to Jerusalem, but he is all about this daily work of preaching and teaching and healing and announcing that the kingdom of God is at hand, announcing the reign of God day by day. Jesus refused to be distracted from his divine mission by any anger, by any dangers or frustrations, by any threats, empty or not, 
And you see, he doesn't rush ahead. Not only does he not, he's not scared off, but he doesn't rush ahead to Jerusalem. But he goes on his mission day by day, announcing the reign of God. We are called to follow this example of Jesus and his steadfast purpose, his steadfast mission. Because we have the same mission of Jesus, to announce that reign and power of God, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Telling of his salvation, of the wholeness of life that he offers. We are called to follow Jesus' example in his steadfast purpose. But how do we do that? To not be deterred or distracted ourselves, to not be scared away, to not fear. How do we do that? I think the answer lies in the second part of this passage, in a pretty helpful way. Because Jesus' words quickly shift from sort of harsh and warning and maybe not name-calling as much as just, hey, I'm not moving, to compassion and longing. His tone quickly shifts here. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it. How often I have gathered your children together as a hen. How often I... How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? There's a lament here of Jesus, one that we often skip over because we we skip to the end in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus weeps over Jerusalem once he's arrived there, and we think, oh, that's Jesus' lament. You know, I I wish this could have been different sort of thing. But here, halfway through this journey to the cross in the Gospel of Luke, he's not even in Jerusalem. And he hears of Herod, and he laments. He expresses this deep longing, a desire to gather children of Israel like a mother hen might gather its children under her wings. It's a powerful image if you stop and think about it. One thing about a mother hen is that she is a great defender. She is fierce and territorial. Roosters might fight amongst themselves for dominance, but a hen always protects her chicks. She will defend the nest at all costs. She even has different calls to communicate to her chicks. Some of you have chickens. You could tell me some stories about the mighty hen who defends. She has different calls to communicate with her chicks, one to eat, one to drink, another for warning, announcing, gather round, there is danger calling them to her in this perceived threat. N.T. Wright is a New Testament scholar, and in reflecting on this passage, passage of Scripture, he says that a hen is more than the territorial defender, but this fierce protector is also sacrificial. Sacrificial. 
He notes that in the situation of a barnyard fire, N.T. Wright says that the hen is able to gather her chicks in under her brood and protect them from the flames. And in the process, it might be that she is burned, but the chicks will survive. A mother hen is fearless. She is not afraid to die. Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you like children together as a hen gathers her brood. The good news for us this morning, I believe, is that Jesus longs to do the same thing for us. When we face the foxes of the world, the threats and the challenges, We have a a God who invites us to be gathered in for protection and comfort and warmth and defense. Who are the foxes of our world today? The deceptive and wily ones. (laughs) The dangers and threats and challenges that we face. We could probably each name several this morning of the threats we feel that we face, of the Herods of our world who serve their own power and self-interest or use their power to lord over other people and dominate. Those who seek only their own personal gain and power at the expense of others. Or maybe it's the situations and relationships that we feel like in those moments have the power to consume us or end us. This is it. In these moments, I'm comforted by an image of our Savior who stands ready and willing with arms open to gather us in, to protect us from the fox. We have a God who desires to save us in such a way. A fresh start of following Jesus requires steadfast purpose. Like Jesus, it requires us to not be scared off, to not be deterred from our mission of who we are called to be, to not be spooked. How do we do this? But by accepting that warm embrace. By accepting God's saving embrace. I think in some moments it's to give up and to be gathered in. To give up. And I mean that in the most positive of ways. I imagine a baby chick doesn't have many options, but to give up and to to run. To run into that embrace. But did you notice there's a tinge of sadness in Jesus' words? Jesus says, O Jerusalem, how I long to gather your children together, but you were not willing. But you were not willing. It's heartbreaking in that sense, this lament that Jesus expresses. 
We know they were not willing. We know the end of the story. But Jesus says, many prophets have come before him and they killed and stoned the prophets sent with messages of life and love. And we know it'll be the same for Jesus. They will refuse to receive his message of salvation as well. And instead they will reject him. You can hear the sadness of these words. Like a parent who longs to help and comfort her child, but they refuse. Maybe some of us here today know that longing. We know that sadness. And then in verse 35, Jesus sort of pronounces this judgment over them. It's a little uncomfortable. For those of us who might not be willing, there's a judgment here over Jerusalem. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A reference, many people think, to the day that he does enter Jerusalem, what we would celebrate on Palm Sunday. one of those verses you may not always know what to do with except to remember what the purpose of pronouncing judgments is it's not just to shame people it's not to make them feel awful about themselves it's not to say oh how horrible and awful and wrong you are as much as it is for those upon which the judgment falls it's for them to come to know their plight and to repent and to be renewed a judgment is a call for repentance You were unwilling. The judgment is pronounced for the sake of salvation. That those who hear it might become aware and repent and live differently. We are to sort of sit and pause and ponder on this passage of scripture to let the words of Jesus sort of sit with us we can reflect and wonder who are the foxes of this world the the threats and the dangers and the challenges that each of us face individually but also the powers and principalities at at work but i also think we need to sit with and reflect on moments when we have not been willing to heed the call of jesus surrender and be scooped up in that loving embrace moments when in the in the face of a threat or a challenge or a difficulty we have chosen a different course we have chosen to go our own way we have chosen to operate according to our own wisdom and strength and power we have chosen to listen to others around us and what they might be telling us to do. Unwilling to see the one who stands waiting and willing, arms open wide, to save us. Maybe it's at times that we ignore the power of the Spirit that's available to us in these moments. 
in these moments of uncertainty and, and fear and even in death of the power of the Holy Spirit available to us to shelter us and comfort us and give us strength. It's like Jesus knew that his disciples were going to face such things in this world. They were going to face the foxes as they were. Because in John chapter 16, he says, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. For the Father, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. It's these teachings in Scripture, especially in the Gospel of John, where Jesus refers to the power of the Spirit that will be available to us. In chapter 14, he says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. I will give you a helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace, I leave with you, my peace. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The power of the Holy Spirit at work and available to us in these moments that we cannot underestimate. That we can take heart in knowing that our God stands ready and willing to save, to comfort, to defend, to bless if we'll just have eyes to see, if we'll just surrender and turn to the God who can. I believe we can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure what challenge you feel like you might be facing right now. Some of you have shared them with me recently. And some... Maybe others kind of more silently of what's going on, the things that you are naming in your own spirit right now. Maybe you're tired. <laughs> Maybe you're weary. Maybe you feel like you have run through all those other options that we named possible. I'm going to rely on my own can-do attitude, my own work ethic, my own strength, the wisdom of the people that I have chosen around me. my own expertise, my own past experience. I've gotten through this before. I can do it again. Maybe what some of us need to hear this morning is the simple invitation to come, to be gathered in, to be swept up, to be held, to be defended and protected in the power of the Holy Spirit. In our prayer book that we've been working through, Dynamite Prayer, the authors say this, The pathway to receiving God's wisdom is accessible through spending time reflecting on Scripture and through praying. This part. Emptying yourself of your own assumptions and then connecting with God to ask, listen, and receive. 
Praying to request God's miraculous wisdom is not seeking the easy solution, a quick fix, or a validation of what makes the most worldly sense to you. Instead, it's asking for God's power of the Spirit to speak. Friends, I don't know what challenge or difficulty you may each be facing this morning, but I do know that as a family and as a church, we feel like we're still facing the unknown of where we might go next. Here we still gather in this gym. And I know some of us are weary and we're tired and we have questions and maybe even frustrated. Friends, I can't call on you enough to keep praying. Because we can try every other avenue possible. The one board and our leadership and myself, we can do all the research and we can make all the calls and we can call upon all our connections and we can rely on our work ethic or we can look to to others to solve it for us. Or in fear, we could be spooked and run off like maybe the Pharisees were trying to get Jesus to do. This is all just too much. I'm tired. But in steadfast purpose, responding to the call of Jesus, we can also choose to hold fast and to pray for direction and wisdom, not how maybe the world might think it makes sense, according to our own checklist, our pros and cons, but what Jesus is calling us to do. We must empty ourselves of our own assumptions. We must surrender so that we might gathered, be gathered into the one who can protect and defend and help move us forward. So friends, keep praying. Praying for the Holy Spirit to guide. Set a reminder on your phone for the same time every day. And it can be a simple breath prayer. One this week for me was spirit speak. I'm not asking for a whole hour in your prayer closet a day. I'm asking for you to be mindful of where the spirit is at work in your heart and in your spirit for the sake of our church community. All together, praying, spirit speak, spirit comfort, spirit lead us. Spirit, empty me of any assumptions where I might act out of my own expertise or authority and wisdom that is so much smaller than the plans you have for us. Hold fast, steadfast to the mission, because no matter where we are, our mission remains the same. Amen? To join Jesus and the revolution of transforming lives through teaching and service. We can do that anywhere. And yet we know that if the teachings of the church meet the needs of the world in a right location that Jesus may be preparing for us, we can do big kingdom things, not big human things or big Rachel things or big one board things, but kingdom things. And That's what we need to be just zeroed in on. So this is my, my plea for you today. Follow the example of Jesus and be steadfast in our purpose and in our mission. And pray, please pray. Spirit, speak. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for who you are, for how you are at work in our world. 
And God, I, I just pray as we sang this morning in that song of help us to become more aware of your presence. Help us not just flit through this life distracted or overwhelmed or stressed to the point that we miss you when you show up or when you stand next to us like a mother hen waiting to protect, to gather us up, to help us. God, give us eyes to see you at work. Give us eyes to experience you when we face whatever threat or challenge we may be facing when we leave this place. Help us to not grow weary. Help us to not fear. For we know that we serve a God who has the power to save us. So God, would you just continue to be at work among us and give us eyes to see and ears to hear you when you speak to us. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.